Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. It snowed in Vancouver, which is pretty cool. It doesn't snow here very often. That's kind of uh, the main reason I came here for the winter, is I've lived in Vancouver off and on. I just, I do like it in general. But I also just wanted to avoid the winter. Winter time in Canada is such a nightmare. It's so awful, but uh, there really is no escape. Like even out here, particularly when I first got here in November, it was just dark for a month. <laughs> like I think for the whole month there was like maybe four days where it was sunny and I was losing my mind. It was awful. I'm like, I don't know if this is worth it. Maybe being cold isn't so bad compared to living in uh, the land of endless gloom. But yeah, a little bit of snow. It's really nice. It's fun. It's like, because uh, I guess especially coming from the Maritimes, like the winters there are so cold and so brutal. I was back there last winter and there were days when the wind felt like acid on my face. It's like I just, I gotta get out of this weather. I can't be out here. <laughs> like that's insane. Never gets cold like that in, even in like Toronto. So compared to all that, the west coast is crazy mild. And a really neat thing happened to me last month. I was at this Airbnb in Coquitlam up on a mountain but when I say up on a mountain, I mean, it's still just suburbs and it was really nice houses. And there was a, it's like a, not a full-size bus. It's like a little community bus, but still just a 20 minute bus ride to get up there. Not uh, an unreachable area. What is the word I'm looking for? It's not hard to get to. Man, don't you hate it when there's a word, you know, there's just the right word and you just can't think of what it is. Not inaccessible. <laughs> there it is. So I didn't really think of it as being like on a mountain because it's just whatever, man, just get off the subway, get on a bus and you're there. Or walk. Sometimes I would walk because there's this really nice mountain trail. It takes like an hour or so and then you're there. But it was high enough up in the mountains that, uh, man, it really caught me off guard where because I'm so used to snow being a permanent fixture, like once it snows, your whole life changes and you've just got to hunker down and prepare for the winter and just deal with it for months. Where this one day I was just, you know, whatever, fucking around in Vancouver, wasn't paying attention as I went up the hill on this bus. And then when I stepped out of the bus, it was snow and like a fair amount of snow, like a foot of snow. And it lasted for quite a long time. So in the morning I'd wake up and it would be winter. And then I'd go downtown or whatever, do whatever I do all day, write shit and whatever. And it's springtime. Then when I came home at night, it was winter again. And it was so hard for me to wrap my head around. Like it felt like I was inside a dream. Cause winter is just not supposed to be malleable like that. You know, it's crazy. And I guess like, I mean, I'm looking at mountains right now and there's, you know, the snow-capped peaks and I would always see people in Vancouver with like, even though it's beautiful weather, they would have their snowboards and snow gear because they were heading up to the mountain. And it never really occurred to me how accessible the mountains really are. Mountains aren't really that tall. It really just comes down to how clear of a path up there is. Like even stuff like uh, the Grouse Grind is like a famous 
hike you can take out here in Vancouver. And it's really tough, man. It took, I mean, the average time is a lot less than this, but it took me like two hours to get up that thing. But then the view is amazing, and you've basically just walked up a mountain because somebody else already made steps, so there you go. You can just walk up a mountain. And yeah, that's just a weird thing that I just don't think about very much, but I mean, I'm looking at them right now. I'm looking at the mountains, and it's like, yeah, it's not that crazy. Could walk up those in an afternoon if you just had a clear easy path and then uh, i read somewhere that if you take like the smoothest marble shaped thing that we can create the smoothest marble shaped man-made thing it won't be as smooth as the earth is because if you got real microscopic and looked real close there'd be all these little crags and divots and pits and stuff where the earth is absurdly flat. Every once in a while it goes a mile up or it goes a mile down, but in general it's just flat. It's just flat as fuck. <laughs> and you just don't think about it because it's hard to perceive that kind of scale when you're just walking around the earth. It's interesting and uh, another like magical thing that happened. So, so there was all that snow on top of the mountain and there was the mountain trail that I like to take when I didn't feel like waiting for the bus. It's like, all right, I'm just gonna walk down the mountain today. So since there was snow on all the treetops, but the weather was warming up. So outside of the woods in the normal neighborhood, it was just winter, just looked like winter. But then when I went inside the trees, it seemed like it was raining because there was a lot of snow built up on the trees and it was melting. Like raining enough, like heavy enough that I had to pull out an umbrella. But then when you look through the branches, it's sunny. So it was raining, it was winter, and it was sunny all at the same time. It was truly bizarre. It just, it was like all the weather was happening at once. <laughs> I was like, this is fucked up, man. This is so weird. And then as I walked down the mountain, it just cleared up, like, just, you know, the snow gradually went away, so the rain then stopped, and then it's just not winter at all anymore. Crazy, just so weird. So my goal yesterday was to figure out how to break ground on this new chapter that I'm writing. I've got the basic notes and the basic gist of the chapter, but I didn't want it to be boring. I wanted to think of a better method a more interesting way to present things than what I had in my, my little scant notes. Had to let my mind go a little lateral, had to get fucking, had to get a little creative. So I did it, and uh, what I did, I don't do this often, but uh, it was cheap day at the movies, and I haven't been to see a movie in a couple of months. I went to see Thor, which I liked a lot, Thor Ragnarok. Comedy can go a long way, which is weird because my book doesn't have very many jokes in it, but uh, I'm a big fan of that in general. Comedy is definitely underrated. It's really tough to pull off, but when you do pull it off, not only is it just more entertaining because it's funny, but I really think that emotional moments and difficult concepts can be a lot more effective when they're couched with comedy because it like opens you up. It uh, takes down your defenses. And really just stayed dramas they're so shit because that's not how anybody is. That's not how life is. That's not how people are. Anyone who doesn't make a joke is just like, oh, death. 
But that's one thing you might notice listening to this podcast is I have a lot of opinions and theories and ideas that I don't follow myself. <laughs> so it's just how it is for now for this particular story. But I also just, uh, the weather was kind of bad and it's like, all right, it's cheap day at the movies. And I wanted specifically to go to the old movie theater that I used to work at when I was a projectionist. Because as far as low paying jobs go, that was my favorite. And it doesn't really exist anymore because everything's all digital. But yeah, last time I was at the movies at that theater, it's just like, ah, it's a nice feeling. Just really reminded me of working there up in the projection booth and just, it's just a really fun, you know, like mechanical job. When I first got the job there, I worked at like the yogurt stand and had to dress in my little uniform and deal with the public and I did not enjoy that at all. I don't mind being a clerk, but I like being a clerk, you know, at a comic shop or even a coffee shop, not at a movie theater. It's not fun to hang out in a movie theater and no one wants to banter. There's no good times to be had, but projectioning was really fun. I liked it a lot. So yeah, I just wanted to get out of the weather a bit. Just wanted to go hang out at the theater. It was cheap day. I'm like, cool, these are all lining up. I have no idea what's playing, but let's just go. And then I got there and I'm just flipping through the movies in the little kiosk and there's really just nothing, just nothing that I wanted to see. And then I saw like, oh, oh, that Star Wars movie's still playing, The Last Jedi. And I've never liked a Star Wars movie in my life. I really hate Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is so shitty. It's so shitty. Test, test, test. Uh, I just went on a big rant about Star Wars and how I'm not a, a fan. <laughs> and it's another one of those cases where it just, it's not a rant that feels good. You know, there's the rants where it's like, ha, ah, I am speaking the truth and I'm cleaving the lies in twain. And then there's the times when it's like, this is just an expression of my own fucking lack of mental well-being. This is just nonsense and it doesn't feel good. So, you know, I'll save that for an outtake someday in the future. Just have it be uh, the outtakes of uh, ludicrous nonsense that I spouted during the recording of this podcast. So what I actually want to get into is, so I uh, sat in the back of the movie theater and I wrote uh, a rough version of the events of this chapter in kind of pointish form. And then I was a little trapped because uh, I didn't necessarily have the mental wherewithal I needed to go back and uh, write them out proper. That's today's job. But I was also only halfway through the Star Wars movie. So where uh, having a, a shitty movie in the background is great sometimes to just, you know, whatever, just have somewhere to get out of the sun, somewhere to just sit and do some work. Then to actually have to sit and focus on a movie that bad, youch, you know what I'm saying? Youch. Difficult. But I made it. Don't feel sad for me. I managed to sit through that whole movie. Such a bummer too, man. Ryan Johnson, like, I love Looper. I love it. What a great movie. I hope he just, this is it for him in Star Wars. Go do something else, man. There's that siren song of like, oh, this thing I loved as a kid, and they're gonna pay me a shitload of money, and I'll be super famous. But, uh, then it's way, way worse than anything he's ever done. 
So yesterday I was saying how I wanted to, you know, make sure I get this chapter off on the right foot and that it not be boring and that I come up with something, uh, you know, that sounds compelling to me. But then what's a little weird is what I came up with and what I'm like, yeah, I did it. That's what I want. That's what I needed to do is not like, it's just not action. Like how I've said how I just, I don't like action scenes. To me, action scenes are boring. What I came up with is since I was thinking about how the idea of this chapter is that she's going to find a little marketplace she's never seen. And I was thinking about markets that are only open on the weekend. I was like, so what if, I mean, she doesn't know what day it is on this station. She's always a little thrown off because the length of a day just isn't the same here as it is on her planet. But what if I just take that Sunday, that weekend vibe? So I've got her wake up, but then normally she goes and exercises every day. And since she's a tough-ass rhino creature, she doesn't need off days. She doesn't need time off to uh, let herself recover. But she decides today, she's like, yeah, you know what, fuck it. Today... I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go exercise. I'm just going to laze around in this dumb little room. And just that feeling, to just bring that feeling to the chapter. And then she'll get up and wander around the station, go a different way. But like just, just uh, instead of this intense kind of weird xenophobia feeling now, it's more comfortable. It kind of makes me think of like Lost in Translation. There's the, the, the balance of like being in a different country in a different culture and how you just can't quite get to grips with yourself and you don't quite feel normal but at the same time you can have these great days and these awesome times that are just weird and excellently unique because they're not like anything that you normally do so I wanted to bring a little of that sense to this and that's what I think I got and I'm like all right cool that's what I like but then what I want to talk about is the idea of of advice or of following guidelines and how I think you shouldn't because <laughs> because I've got this pretty clear idea in my mind of what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to get to how I want things to feel how I want this overall work to shape up and even just like you know this sort of awareness of the feelings inside of me that if I can get those on a page maybe those will resonate with somebody else. And I'm much more interested in resonating with the people that are like me more so than trying to connect to some mass audience because that's just never going to work and who cares about that anyway. If I want to make money on something, I can learn to fucking play the stock market or something. Like, it's not a reason to be a writer. And maybe it's a little ironic that I say, like, you shouldn't listen to other people's advice necessarily, because that's all this podcast really is, really, right? It's just me explaining what I think about stuff, and here's how I think it should go, and here's what I think is a good idea. And uh, I'm certainly not alone. You can find, if you, you know, go on YouTube and shit, there's a lot of writers that are just like, here's my ideas about stuff. And some of them I vibe with, and some of them I totally don't. But in all these cases, we're all just in our own little bubble explaining what works best for us or in my case and I'm not the only one for this either it's extra obnoxious because it's like here's what's gonna work for sure <laughs> you know it's not like a tried and true like a guy who's written six novels telling you some asshole who hasn't written any novels <laughs> and uh, you know hopefully it's like something will stick or like a little idea will happen but I definitely think that it's best to avoid everyone's advice at least initially because 
we don't know what we're talking about. We really are in our own little bubble, our own little perception of things, which I think is valuable and useful. And we should be in our own little bubble and we should be learning how to express what it feels like to be in our own little bubble as much as possible. But as for actual concrete, useful advice, it's hard to say if it's valuable in that sense. But then there's the other side of the coin where there's this girl I come across on YouTube quite a bit that I, I do really like whenever I see her stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about her. Her name's Ellen Brock. And I like her because she is an editor. She's not just a writer trying to tell you about writing. She is a professional editor. She has tons and tons of stories going past her all the time. So she's not just trying to divine some rules of the trade based upon just this very specific idiosyncratic example of her own work like we fucking blabber-faced writers do. She sees all kinds of stuff. She sees patterns. She sees common problems and common mistakes. So her videos I really like because it's practical advice. It's actual advice. It's like this is the stuff that if an editor or if a first reader at a publisher or something starts reading your shit and sees these things, they're just not going to bother, <laughs> you know, because they've seen it a hundred times before and it's never been good. So why is yours going to be good? You know, if the first page has all these red flags, it's like, well, fuck this thing. I just don't have time for this. See you later. So that's really great. However, even in that case, I find that I'm getting influenced by listening to her in a way that I don't want to be. Because, for example, I took her videos and I just uh, downloaded them from YouTube and converted them to MP3. There's a, a program I've got called 4K Video Downloader that just converts videos to MP3 so you can just listen to them. Because most of YouTube is just talking heads. And it's a really good program. I like it a lot. I even bought a copy. Which is the greatest compliment that can be paid for something in the digital age. But uh, a couple of things when I was listening to her just talk about stuff today. One of them is don't start your book with a character waking up because it's just a cliche and just it's been done too many times and everyone does it. And I was like, oh shit, my story starts with the character waking up. And in my case, it's, it's weirder because the character wakes up in a church, so already that's weird. And then it's revealed real quickly that the church is just an exhibit of a church that's on an alien station. <laughs> you know, the doors open and outside is this weird ass place. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, that's, I think that's the right way to do it. That's cool. I think that's a great opening. But there is that part of me when I hear don't start your book with the character waking up that kind of can't help but take the advice. Like, especially when it's someone that you know is like, yeah, I do believe they know what they're talking about. Or if you get advice from like a friend who you know is also is a good writer, it's like, I'm gonna take the advice. I'm gonna take this to heart, but maybe I shouldn't yet. Maybe right now that's not the right thing to do because I gotta do my own thing here. I've gotta make my own weird story. And maybe to break the rules, and do my own thing. Like maybe I have to reverse break a rule. Like even though this is the rule and don't do this, maybe I gotta do it. 
maybe that is what will make my thing stand out is that it's got the cliche and it's got the thing you're not supposed to do but it's because not because it was an accident not because it was a lazy choice but it's because that is what I want to do and I don't want to get thrown off and as like fucking bombastic and black and white as my dumb opinions can seem to be it is very easy to be swayed and very easy to have your mind changed and I definitely find that if someone really insists on something I'll, I probably will change it <laughs> but I don't want to not yet another example is she mentioned that a common problem is books that lack conflict you know you might just have a meandering chapter where nothing particular happens and that that's a common problem that is a big problem that people just kind of write these uh, books that don't have any momentum and they kind of don't realize that they're doing it or they're just like filling space because they feel like they need to fill space or they're just writing chapters because they have this weird sense from the outside that this is how it's supposed to be when it's not serving what they're writing and when I think about other writers I'm like, yeah, I want you to follow all her advice. I want you to follow everything Ellen Brock ever said because I don't want to read a boring book. I don't want to read a shitty book. I don't want to read a half-assed book. So if you can follow all her advice and it'll tighten up your book, please do. But for me, myself, I can't do that because, again, with that advice, this very chapter that I'm writing, quite a few of these early chapters are that they are meandering they don't have specific conflict they are that lost in translation thing it is a story about in these early parts meandering about a spaceship and not not having anything to even do it's like you're looked after she's she's looked after she's taken care of she doesn't have to worry about food and lodging but she doesn't have anything to do all day even if she wanted to because she's not a part of this place she's not a part of the society that is the point that is what it's about but on the surface when I hear don't write these chapters with no conflict with nothing happening I'm like oh fuck is that what I'm doing is this boring is this the most boring thing ever am I fucking up (laughs) and I've got to like even though I've been working on this for months and I'm deep in and I know what I want and I know where I'm going I still have to diffuse that worry of like, oh fuck, I'm breaking a rule. I'm breaking a big time rule. What am I doing? And all of this stuff could be true. Maybe my story shouldn't open up with a character waking up. Maybe it shouldn't have these chapters that are just about existing in a space station where nothing actually happens besides trying to absorb this environment that is almost unabsorbable for this character. Maybe all of these things are changes that should be made but I don't want to worry about that now and I don't think I should worry about that now I can worry about this later if I submit this book and no one likes it if all I get is rejections then I think it's time then I think it's time to go down the list of the common practices and the stuff to avoid and then it's time to get reactions from other people and from friends and figure out what they think could be changed But I don't want to do that until it's clear that that's what needs to happen. Even the idea of getting feedback on something, I just don't want to do it. I want to just write this and edit this 
myself and send this out and see what happens. Because I know that if I give it to people and if they give me feedback, I know I will change things. And I, I just don't trust that it will be better. I know I will do it and I know I'll convince myself it was the right thing to do. Like the way movies are just like rewrite after rewrite after rewrite. Are these rewrites actually better? Who knows? They're just, they're someone else's perspective. They're someone else's view. Now it's different, I feel like, if, if there's a mechanical problem. Like uh, my book I wrote about The Last of Us, my nonfiction book, I had this long introduction, really long. And I sent that book to my friend Brad, and I'm like, hey, look at the whole book, of course, if you have time. But what is going on with this introduction? What, like, I just know this is wrong. What the fuck is this? What do I do with this? And we worked with it and eventually basically cut it. It's basically just not necessary. And uh, not coincidentally, I wrote the book first and the introduction second. So everything in that introduction is in the book because it all found its way in. So the introduction really was just the, the wrong thing. And I could feel that it was the wrong thing. So having the outside opinion and the advice was like, okay, good, yes, let's try to fucking fix this thing. And if I feel that way about this, this novel, I will do that too. If I'm just like, something isn't working here and I can't figure out what, that's the time that it's like, okay, somebody come uh, see what you can notice, see what you can point out to me. But I, at the same time, I sort of fear change for change's sake. I want this book to be so idiosyncratic. I want this book to be a Keith McNally book with a capital K, capital M, capital N. You know, just this is the book that only this fucking guy would write. So basically, that's my advice is don't listen. Don't listen to advice. Don't listen to stuff. You should do this. You should do that. Because it's so easy to get caught up in. Like this one, I remember this one story that I was working on for many, many years. Someday I might get back to it. But it was kind of that show don't tell thing that everyone says. I took that to heart way too much where I was like, you know what? I'm going to write this with no reference to people's internal state. I'm going to write it third person, but with no so-and-so felt this, so-and-so had this memory, this sense, any of that. Everything was going to be descriptions of facial expressions. Like, I want all of these characters' internal life to come through purely from an outside observance, which, now that I'm older and I look back, I'm like, not only is that super hard, and I don't really know why I was doing it, that's not what books can do. (laughs) Trying to describe a facial expression in a book is a goddamn nightmare. That's a movie thing. You know, in a movie, a facial expression can carry a lot of weight and a lot of resonance. It can tell a big part of this character's story and their internal life. It can tell a mile of things. In a book, it can't. It's so hard to describe. When you're, like, describing the movements of eyebrows and It's just, it's fucking crazy that I thought I could do this. When the strength of a book is that I can tell. (laughs) You don't have to show all the time. You can just tell. You can tell how this character is feeling. You don't have to try to show it. And I just, I don't know why I got onto that track. I don't know why that seemed important. But I stuck with that particular story. I stuck with that 
method of trying to write for years for no reason just because I heard it somewhere and there's one youtuber oh this one blew my mind uh, I can't remember her name but it was uh, a list of like here's the rules about writing that they tell you that you shouldn't follow and it was really wacky because she's definitely from a younger generation than me and in her school they were big so big on not using the word said that there was a fucking sign in her classroom, in her English classroom, that said, said is dead. Saying that you shouldn't use the term said in, a st in writing, you should come up with exclaimed or intoned or different words for said. That is literally the worst advice I've ever heard about writing. Because said is an invisible word. It's just a word you don't notice. It's just utilitarian. It's just to tell you who fucking said something. It's a perfect thing to do and in fact it is what you should do you should only not break out the said in extreme circumstances because it's immediately it's awkward and it's weird to read and it's not it's the wrong thing to do and this teacher is teaching her whole class this wrong thing to do and this poor girl was like yeah and I fucking for years for years even now she says like her inclination is to not use the word said. If she's just kind of not thinking about it, she'll come up with some flowery, shitty word that ruins what she's working on, then she has to remind herself to just say said, just use said. So I guess the best way I could explain it is, don't pay attention to others, don't listen to their advice, don't follow their rules, as long as everything is going well. Then, if you get stuck, if you don't know how to proceed, if things aren't going well, then go find backup, go find help, go find outside opinions, try out these things that people say. But until then, fuck them, man, fuck them all. <laughs> Well-meaning though they may be, you gotta be your own person. You gotta fucking not only put your stamp on this thing, every fucking atom of this story has to be yours. Which is not to say that you shouldn't take inspiration from things, because uh, everyone does that, and it's great. I've got, like, just so many influences and inspirations, and oh, this is taken from that, and this is taken from that. But it's all got to go through you, and when it comes out the other side, it shouldn't even be recognizable as the source material, because it's infused with the you-ness of you. <laughs> For song of the day, let's listen to Rocket by Saul Williams. Cause you gotta be a rocket, motherfucker! You gotta be a rocket, I'll talk to you tomorrow.
space And the darkness knows my face Every scribe takes its case And an angel takes her place And we take off like a rocket in your heart Every ending has its start And when love like years and dark All it takes is just one spark And we'll take off like a rocket Watch me take off like a pumpkin 